is The Granite Beak, a podcast where we highlight New Hampshire journalists, ask them about recent stories they've published, and about what it's like to cover their corner of this small and interesting state. I'm Julie Hart, and I'm here with Adam Drapshow. Hello. Damon Steer, who has been recognized with honors for both the New England and New Hampshire Press Associations, covers the Mount Washington Valley for the Conway Daily Sun. His beat, which includes towns in both New Hampshire and Maine, exemplifies the role of general assignment reporter for a daily news outlet. Anything readers in his area need to know about, Damon provides that coverage. He also takes photos and helps edit copy. Thank you for taking some time for us today, Damon. Thank you for the invitation. Damon, could you give us an idea of what got you interested in journalism and how you got onto the career path? Oh, um, as a kid, I didn't really have any aspirations. I um, went to college and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I had this idea in my head that I'd write movie scripts. Okay. But I was somebody with just a very boring suburban background with no life experience to speak of. So I thought about journalism and doing stories. My dad always read the newspaper, Foster's, where I was growing up on the seacoast. And so, so I thought, oh, that might be interesting. And I'd do that for a little while and do something else. But then um, I just kind of fell into it. And here I am 20 years later. And how long have you been at, at the Conway Daily Sun? Since October of 2010. Okay. Have you seen the role as you perform it or the role as it's perceived by the public? Have you seen that change over the 12 or 13 years since you've been there? I think on the national level, yeah. And I, I think some of it's richly deserved because I, I do kind of feel like national level coverage gets pretty embarrassing. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot more distrust and stuff like that out there. But I guess it doesn't affect me totally because most of the people I talk to, I know, and it's like always the same people. So I don't think people treat me worse because of, you know, the, the bad coverage that the um, national news does uh, or slanted coverage that they do. I just talk to the same people about the same meetings over and over and over again. So I, I think it's, it, it's not so bad for me, I guess. Maybe my role hasn't changed much. Except I have to do everything faster because the deadlines keep getting earlier and earlier. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've seen all sorts of news stories published under your byline. Uh, I'd like to ask you about a couple of recent ones. Um, the first involved a wayward farm animal. And uh, we kind of briefly discussed this before we got uh, hit record on this. So you know what we're talking about. Could you tell us about that story? So the other day, Jackson Police Chief Chris Perley had the occasion to persuade a pig to get off a cross-country ski trail, and he took pictures and posted them to Facebook. So I saw the pictures, and I said, uh, hey, Chief Perley, can you explain it to me? So uh -huh. he explained it, and he found this pig where the reporting party said the pig would be, right on the ski trail, and he tried to lure it off with an apple from his lunch, uh -huh. and the pig was cooperative until... He tried to put a leash on a petunia pig. A petunia pig then resisted. And so he decided to take a, a different strategy. And somehow, like, he got some grain and pig feed or whatever and kind of got the pig to, to follow him back where the pig was supposed to be and all was uh, taken care of. Yeah, this is one of those uh, you, you could work, uh, cover a town for more than a decade and never have written that sentence before, right? Not around here. I mean, this is not an unusual circumstance for Jackson PD. I believe they've also wrangled alpacas and chickens and various other animals at one point or another. 
We also have very clever bears yes. that open doors. So critter wrangling is, is something that happens kind of frequently. It's, it's almost routine at this point. Yeah, I know that uh, one of the best read stories uh, that I put together was about a bear that made off with a local woman's lobster roll one summer. So those kinds of stories really catch the uh, reader attention. But as I think we would agree, they're not really the most important stories that we might work on. And that's why I'd like to ask you about the next story on my list here for you, which is about the town of Conway working to redefine the term dwelling unit as it sits in their zoning regulations. Could you bring us up to speed on that story? Right. A, a dwelling unit is basically a house or a apartment. It's got the living, sleeping, eating, cooking, sanitation, all under one roof. And they're changing the definition of that to back up. The town of Conway tried to sue a short-term rental owner, saying that it's zoning prohibited short-term rentals. They went to court. The Conway lost. And they lost because of their definition of dwelling unit. So now the planning board is changing that definition. And that could have some consequences in terms of, you know, who's allowed to live where and what you're allowed to do with your property. And that's kind of a fundamental thing in New Hampshire. So you've got one story about a police chief chasing down a pig on a cross-country skiing trail. And then you've got this other story that's about redefining terms within a town's zoning regulations. One is more appealing, but the other one actually has uh, some bearing on the daily lives of your readers. How do you tell the second story in a way that's informative and straightforward, yet also compelling? The way you lead it off the story is what's the first thing you tell your mother huh. about any topic? So my mother's a busy lady, as I'm sure your mother probably is too. And what do you want to communicate in a short amount of time? And that's kind of your lead and then you backfill from there. I've actually never heard that explanation for how to conceive of, of a lead for a story. And I really like it. Journalism takes about five minutes of training. Anybody could do it. Like just few people would want to. So don't tell everyone that, David. I know. Giving away all our secrets. Yeah. That's an interesting way to think about it. I'm going to keep that one in the back of my mind next time I start a story. It's worth noting that without the Conway Daily Sun present in the valley, the story would largely be happening in the dark. There wouldn't be any other outlet that I would imagine that would care enough to cover how the town defines dwelling unit in Conway. Indeed, in many towns, in that, in particularly in the northern half of the state, there isn't a local reporter assigned to them. Do you have any thoughts on what is lost for these communities that don't have a local journalist and any thoughts about what we might be able to do to fill those holes? Well, um, some towns have people going around filming them. Yeah. And so like if I didn't exist, you could get the same information by watching hours and hours and hours of Valley Vision. But I do it so you don't have to. In some other towns like my town, we have a guy, Ed Como of governmentoversight.com, and he films meetings. Mm -hmm. And that's great. And it's wonderful. It's a great resource for me. But I like to think of myself as the guy who sits through the meeting so you don't have to. And I try to keep an eye on little towns as well. Um, some of them don't have any coverage. Some of them had email groups that would email out sort of what happened at the select meeting. But I think that's petered out in some places. So there are you know, alternatives. But I guess I give a Reader's Digest version of what happens. Uh, I try to do it on a 
fairly broad scale, doing a lot of different towns, doing a little bit on each one. Mm -hmm. Focusing on Conway and also the courts, because the courts would be fascinating for someone to have like a court TV channel. Um, Again, you'd have to watch hours and hours and hours to get to the really interesting stuff. But I I try to um, focus on something that will really affect people's lives. Um, Damon, we've talked a little bit about what it's like to report up in the North Country or maybe at least north of central New Hampshire. Here we have a lot of peers that we network with often, and I think there's a real sense of fellowship of, of journalism in central and southern New Hampshire. I get a sense that there's a lack of that um, in the area that you cover and, and points north. What is it like to be one of the only journalists covering that area of the state? I've never really thought about it. I just kind of wake up, I do my job, and I try to get it done and then move on to the next thing. What kind of um, resources do you reach out to if you need to bounce ideas off or, or find sources? Do you find that that's easy to do in your community or what other challenges might you be facing up there? Well, it's early deadlines and just getting people to call you back by the deadline is the, the hardest thing. And a lot of the times it's just going to the meeting and typing it up and then just try and type it up as fast as you can so you can get to the next thing. That, that's really what it is. As far as sources, like, you know, most people are pretty friendly and I get a lot of my sources are good and they do get back to me on time. It, and it's, a lot of it's just having the energy to keep going because sometimes you'll be at a meeting till 10 o'clock, but you got to get up at seven to like start writing or whatever. And then there's a snowstorm, so you got to clear out your driveway. And that's that's kind of the tough part. How about the opposite side of that question? Do you like working in a part of the state where you're one of the only journalists? Uh, yeah, I, I, I prefer being in a low density environment because I don't really like traffic. I don't really like concrete. I don't really like cities. So I like more trees than people. So I'm good up here. All right. Damon, there's another thing I'd like to ask you about. You've made a point of pressing politicians as they come through New Hampshire about UFO sightings and uh, other such unexplained activities. And you've been doing that for years. And then in the past couple of years, we've suddenly seen a bunch of information get released about this that really substantiates a lot of the questioning and kind of moved it from the fringe to more mainstream. I wonder, what's it been like for you to watch that transition happen, being one of the only people that I know of who's actually been taking this as a serious issue for so long. It's kind of fun to watch it explode. There was smoke and I I suspect there might be some fire. Yeah. There's something going on. I think um, Eric Weinstein, I don't know if you know him from the intellectual dark web. Can't say I do. He's like a mathematician, intellectual guy. He does the portal podcast. Anyway, um, he had a tweet like a year or two ago and I'll just paraphrase it, that there's something going on with this and no matter what it is, it could be the biggest story in the world because it's either a massive government psyop for reasons unclear, or we're being visited, or our fire pilots can't tell a balloon from a UFO or an enemy plane, or something is going on with this. I'm just curious, personally. Yeah. I mean, the Congress is making a, a UFO office. They just put out a UFO report in December, I think it was, or was it earlier this month? It all blends together. But anyway, there was just the 2022 UFO report just came out from the director of national intelligence. So like something's going on. I don't know why more people aren't interested. Yeah, it is. It was sort of uh, wild. Uh, I think it was 
two summers ago when the federal government finally acknowledged that there have been a whole bunch of confirmed UFO sightings that they're investigating. And it was still sort of treated as a buried lead story. And I shared your surprise that more people weren't taking it seriously, or at least taking it with surprise. David, I have one more question. What advice would you give to someone who's interested in either starting a career in journalism or particularly starting a career in journalism in New Hampshire? I would say look at your strengths and see what other options are available to you, and then maybe look at those instead. I see. So in your opinion, not the best career to get into at this time? I wouldn't recommend it, no. (laughs) I'm I'm not saying, uh, just, just to be totally clear, Mark is a great employer, very lucky to work at The Sun, but it's getting more precarious. And I think if I were to counsel a young person, I would say you may want to look elsewhere. Well, that and we've also established that Damon does not like competition. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's uh, all the questions we had for you, Damon. I know you've got a really busy day in front of you. So um, thank you for taking some time for us. The Granite Beat is a project of the Granite State News Collaborative in partnership with the Laconia Daily Sun. We record at the Lakeport Opera House, and our theme music is composed by Bob McCarthy. Thanks also to the Marlin Fitzwater Center at Franklin Pierce University for editing and other support.